This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction. This is your source for the latest technology trends shaping the world, along with tips and strategies for maximizing your career in tech. We also bring you interviews with the leading women in the tech industry, talk to youth who are rapidly building their tech knowledge, and review business solutions that will give you insights on how technology is solving business problems. Now, here's your host, Jennifer Didier. Welcome, and thank you for joining me on Tech in the Right Direction. I'm your host, Jennifer Didier, President and CEO of Directions Training. Each week, we talk with industry experts about technology trends that are emerging and changing businesses today, the career journey of IT professionals, understanding the world of women in tech, as well as talking to our youth that are rapidly building their technology skill sets. We also review case studies that provide insight into how technology is solving business and world problems. I'm excited about our guest today, so let's get moving in the right direction. This week in our Tech Trends segment, I will be talking with Jenna Beckett. Jenna is a full-stack web developer and technical trainer specializing in the .NET stack. She's an active women in technology community leader who is passionate about promoting the female voice in technology. Welcome to the show, Jenna. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. Great. Um, so let's get started. Can you share with us a little bit about your path in technology? Sure. Um, I think my entry into tech was a little non-traditional. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't go through the four-year college degree path. Um, I actually decided after working many years in the construction management field, that um, tech was where I needed to be. And I went the route of a boot camp to learn how to become a developer. Um, after becoming a developer, I went out into the field. Uh, I worked at a couple different places, some corporate environments, some startup environments, um, before deciding that it would be uh, a really good idea to help other people learn like I did. Um, so now I am a technical trainer at a boot camp helping people gain entry into the tech field. That's great. Um, boy, boot camp sounds really rigorous. Uh, tell me a little bit about the boot camps that you teach. Yeah, it is rigorous. Um, it's something that you really have a, have to have a dedication to your ultimate goal to be successful in. Um, but it is something that is extremely rewarding. Um, it is a, a short period of time. So hours last four months. And in the, in the period of four months, we take people who have had no coding experience um, and they come out having a base level knowledge equivalent to a junior developer of all tiers of development. Wow, that's really fascinating. So somebody with no technology background can actually in a short period of time can become a developer. That's so great. It's, it's amazing to watch how people grow um, and walk in the door saying, you know, I don't know if I've made the right decision. I don't know if this is for me, but it, it's really interesting. And it's something that I feel like I'm going to love. 
and then watching them walk out with this skill set that allows them to execute on these goals they've had for, you know, sometimes many years is amazing. That's great. Um, you know, I'm sure they remember you as their teacher and trainer all through their career because I still remember some of my, you know, grade school teachers that were had such a big impact on my life. And I'm sure this um, these students feel the same way. I'm so excited to see my students when I see them out. Um, it, it, it's it's so awesome to hear how they're doing. I'm always the one that's like, please keep in touch with me. And I, I, I never say it disingenuously because I really do want to know all the amazing places that my students go. Um, I, I really love seeing, you know, and when we have some that come straight up high, straight out of high school. Um, mm -hmm. These we, we had a couple not too long ago, um, a group of four high school students who graduated high school one month, started our program the next month, and then by the time their friends were going into their freshman year of college, these students were already working in their first developer job um, and so excited about what they're doing and having learned so much in a short period of time. I love that. That's great. So, you know, technology keeps changing constantly. Um, what are some of the technology trends that you're seeing in the industry today? You know, Transit's pretty awesome because um, working as a web developer uh, and and loving JavaScript, the emergence of front-end frameworks and its um, mass popularity, not only for me as an independent web developer, but um, as far as you know, enterprise-level applications, is something that I really enjoy. Um, React is a framework that I've been working with a lot lately, um, having spent many years working with. AngularJS, seeing React come about and emerge as a key player in web development is something that's really exciting. That is very exciting. And I love the development side of it because you can basically create what you want, right? It is. It's it's having the world at your fingertips. And you know, having the world at your fingertips and being all powerful. Um, sometimes you get the a blank page syndrome of, oh, I can do anything, so what do I do? Um, but more often than not, it's just really fun to be able to start with nothing and, you know, put in some really hard work, maybe a couple hours, maybe a couple days, and then walk away with something functioning that a user can interact with and enjoy. That's great. And we're seeing so many um, businesses automating uh, their processes to provide business solutions through technology. And that's just so fascinating. Um, when So a lot of these roles, these job roles that are existing today, they were not here just a few years ago. You know, everything's kind of moving to the cloud. We're seeing things in machine learning and AI and obviously in the development space. There's a lot of new um, trends going on, as you mentioned. So um, we're finding there's a huge gap in the skill set in the market today. So what do you think we can do as an industry to kind of bridge that gap? I think that the focus on having a four-year college degree, I think that has becoming more and more antiquated because mm -hmm. 
With technology as, as rapidly as it evolves and as fast as it moves forward, expecting students to who have an interest in technology to spend four years learning a set of curriculum that doesn't get to be updated as often as it could because of federal standards and how the processes universities have to go through to update their curriculum. So I think one way to bridge that gap is to eliminate the requirement for applicants having four-year degrees and really look at every experience they've had as a professional as valuable experience. Every job we have puts a new lens of professional's perspective um, on how you see the world. So uh, all of those bring valuable skills that are applicable in a developer role, in an engineering role. Um, and then looking at those students who took a non-traditional path like myself, maybe not going through a four-year college, but being able to get the necessary skills to get in the field and start working, maybe through a boot camp, and looking at that as a a valuable candidate, somebody who could come in and learn and excel, as long as they have, you know, all the right pointers for the, the interviewer. Disregarding a four year college degree, I think is one really good way that we could start bridging the gap and bringing in really valuable candidates who have good skill sets that just need to be given a chance and, and not have to have a piece of paper to say, hey, I can do this. Just let me show you that I can do it. I love that that path and that thought process um, that you mentioned. So really going into high schools and explaining what this industry is all about, what IT is all about, what types of jobs they could get and how uh, the path to learning is not that long. It's not comparable to four years. You know, a lot of times within six months to a year, you can have enough experience to make a really decent living. So um, I love that, that we can take more non-traditional um, students that don't want to go into college and still have them earn a really good living and enjoy their work-life balance. Yeah, so, I definitely agree. I think the you mentioned talk, high school students. Um, when you're talking about high school students, you know, why take a student who is extremely interested in technology? And one of the volunteer organizations I work with, it's teaching kids how to code. So I'm watching children as young as nine years old writing C sharp and making really amazing applications. Why would I need to waste four years? And I, I think waste is a, a strong word because those four-year degrees, they're they're not a waste. People bring in a lot of theory and, and depth of knowledge that you don't have time to explore when you're in like a boot camp setting. But when you have kids who are who have worked years for coding um, and pushing their skill set forward, why do I need to send them and, and kind of delay their progress for years by having them go through the gen eds and the theory classes when they could be in code writing, exploring and and you know, just learning new things every day. Totally agree. Um, we're seeing, you know, some of our, um, the IT leaders creating apprenticeship programs for high school kids, for even younger than that, so that they can get real world hands-on experience. And that is, you know, a lot of times more valuable than a four-year degree because they, are street smart. They know how to 
do the work. They know how to develop and solve business problems. So we're seeing a lot of that. And so we will continue to bridge that gap um, by creating more programs like this. Now you're in the training industry and you mentioned you teach some boot camps. Um, what, are you, what are your thoughts about the value of certification in the industry today? I think that's role specific. Um, for instance, a certification for a developer may not be as valuable as a certification for a systems and security administrator. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think every position, there, there are valuable certs and those, those certifications um, indicate a level of mastery and dedication to pushing yourself to achieve uh, higher levels of knowledge. So I, I think that they're valuable, but I think that it should definitely not be especially for developers. Uh, again, this is role specific, so mm -hmm. other roles this wouldn't really apply to, but for developers specifically, I don't think it would need to be a requirement for entry into the field. Um, I think that's something that happens maybe as you get in, get some experience, and then go after those advanced level certifications. Those are the ones that I tend to put my efforts to as, um, you know, take showing somebody from going to a junior developer, maybe to a mid-level developer, because I've went after this one particular certification, put in the time to study and learn and educate myself, and then just bump my skill set up that much more. That's great. Um, so this is a tough question. Um, very, you know, technology is so dynamic and moving so fast. What, what, you, what is your vision of technology in five years, maybe 10 years? What, what do you see coming up? What do you think technology is going to be doing or solving? I feel like technology is just gonna be more integrated into our life, which is hard to imagine as I sit here, um, you know, with my Apple products, uh, my watch reading my heart rate and telling me how much sleep I get at night. Um, how restful my sleep is, you know, um, having my phone keep track of basically my whole professional life on a calendar. Um, it's hard to imagine that it becomes more integrated into our mm -hmm. life, but I feel like it does. I feel like it becomes more naturally integrated where we're relying less on these devices that, um, you know, we've been tied to in the past and, and more just a, a natural progression of things that, maybe wearables, um, I, I, that's, wearables is a, a huge piece of technology, um, something that, uh, you know, I, I really love. I, I enjoy my, my Apple Watch and how it keeps track of my fitness levels and things like that. Um, but I, I foresee it becoming more of like these separate devices and more just integrated into our daily life in a seamless fashion. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. There's so much connectivity between our devices now that it's only going to get greater. So, you know, our cars will be connected to our wearables, like our Apple Watch, and, you know, we'll be able to have a GPS getting to it. You know, it's just going to be so many things that make our life a bit easier. Um, I, too, love my Apple Watch. And but I'm kind of old school and had, ha, I've had my Apple Watch for a while, but I finally 
realized how good it is in the water. And I was so afraid for so long not to wear my watch in, in the pool or in, in water. And then talking to more and more people, they're like, oh, we shower with it, we go in the pool with it. And I'm like, oh, I don't do any of that because I'm so afraid it's going to break. Um, but this is how far we've come because, you know, when my kids were growing up and they had cell phones, water was the worst thing for any kind of technology. And even that's changing so much. It is so funny. I'm, uh, I'm a really big swimmer. I love swimming. Um, it, it's my preferred method of staying fit. And I just, I, I couldn't do it without my Apple watch. I don't know how I did it before my mm -hmm. Apple watch, um, keeping track of, you know, how much I had done. I think it was kind of more of a guesstimate before, but um, it is it, it is a perfect example of just a seamless piece of technology that integrates really well into my life. Um, and I hope to see that continue to move forward um, as the, you know, Internet of Things and um, the arena of tech wearables um, becomes more expansive. Yeah, so true. Um, so, you know, this is always a challenge. How do you create balance with all these devices that we have? You know, people have multiple cell phones, multiple tablets, a desktop, a laptop, um, so many things, your watch, all calling for your attention constantly. So what are some of the things you do to just um, have some balance between being always on and some quiet me time, maybe. I think um, finding your space is really important. Uh, for some people, that space is a coffee shop. Um, for me, it is my office at home. Um, my office is kind of split between an office and an art studio. Um, in my spare time, I like to do watercolors and do sketches with charcoal and pencil. And in those times, technology is nowhere close to me. Um, laptops are completely shut down. I don't have on my Apple Watch. Um, my cell phone is in a different room. Um, and that's something that I really encourage my daughter to do as well. Um, she's very small, so we're learning to read. And in, during times when we are reading, you know, the, all of the devices are off. The noise in the background is gone so that you can really she can really focus on on learning to read. And then when I'm in my office and I'm painting or, or drawing, um, I can really focus on channeling my creative energy and, and feeling that and being in the moment. Um, I think that's something that as someone who is very um, self-described techie and loves social media, knowing that I need to have just a, a focus on what's going on around me um, and being connected to an individual saying something to me. I make a lot of use of um, turning on and off notifications on my devices. So um, my watch has actually helped that because, you know, I don't necessarily need to have my cell phone right mm -hmm. by my side because my watch gives me those notifications. And then really quickly, I can turn those notifications off for when I just really want to be in the moment and focus on the conversation that I'm having or, you know, whatever activity I may be working on. That's great. Um, really being purposeful about shutting down, having that time for you where you're not distracted, where you really have a chance to 
kind of open your mind to other things. So being purposeful, setting that time, making sure your notifications are off and your devices are away from you is so critical to create some of that balance. I, I really like that. Um, so you're in the learning business. Um, have you seen learning change in the past few years? How are people learning today than they learned a few years ago? Or is it pretty much the same? I think there's a lot more self-led learning. Um, and I know that's funny coming from someone who teaches at a boot camp, but even you know, there, you can't learn everything on your own, I feel like. I, I personally I can't. Um, I made the decision to go through a boot camp knowing that there's a mass amount of information out there on the web. But I, I know that in a team environment, in an in-person environment, being able to interact and have discussions that instigates a deeper level of learning for me personally. Um, but even, you know, when I went through the boot camp to learn how to code, it was it was very it was very much different than how I see my students developing knowledge outside of class now. Um, I relied a lot more on tech manuals. I relied a lot more on questions to my instructor, whereas now um, I see my students being able to go out and if they have a question, discovering that information and maybe not always understanding everything they discover and coming back to me and saying, hey, let's discuss this. And those are always my favorite discussions because they went out, they found something super cool that they're interested in. And then we get to come back and talk about the pros and cons and how I've experienced it and how they may eventually experience it in their own careers. I like that. I like the the change that I see too in, in the um, learning today is very much a combination. It's a blended uh, learning piece with self-led and instructor-led and groups that you need all of that to have true learning and it's coming more to flourishing now where people are saying okay let me do some of the prerequisites online before i go into my class so that i can get to that next level so we're seeing a lot of the foundation pieces really going online and then some of the more advanced pieces uh, coming together with an instructor and groups. Absolutely. I think that those those students who go out and do that exploring, you know, the, the group activities and the, and the mesh between the instructor, the group activities, um, having those peers there to discuss and bounce ideas off of, and then going out and, and doing your solo research, exploring on your own, um, and the students that go really dive into that solo research, take what they've seen in class and then go out and find out more and more information about it. Um, they're just the ones that really flourish because going out and just educating yourself and, and kind of binging on this wealth of information that is out there about technology and, and development, web development in particular, um, they come out, I feel like, really having this wide breadth of exploration. So you hear people say a lot, well, I don't know what my niche is. I don't know what I really love. And the people who spend time doing that solo exploration, I feel like, come to that point of now I really know what I love. I, I, I love this particular language or this tier of development is, is my passion. I feel like they get to that point a little faster. Very true. 
Um, so you've had so much success in the technology in the industry. And what advice would you give to an IT professional who is thinking about starting a career in our industry? And um, how should they get started? I think, you know, kind of tying into what I just said, if, if I had any piece of advice, I would say how whatever method of learning they go through, um, take how you learn, whether it be by reading a book, um, reading blog posts, going through a boot camp, going to a four-year university, and those pieces of information that, you know, you really find interesting, go out and explore and dig into and educate yourself on a deeper level on whatever you you find yourself attracted to. Um, for me, that's always been JavaScript. I, as a language, um, as a developer, I love working with JavaScript and I've always found ways to dig into it deeper and, and just find more enjoyment in it. Um, I, I think that's the key to anything, any career really, is that you've got to dig in and you have to educate yourself, sometimes overwhelming yourself with information to find out where is it that that your particular skill sets fit in and that you find your work and your passion meet and that point where your work and your passion meet that that is where you want to live in that's where you thrive in um and I, I think you get there by exploring and helping yourself to the wealth of information that's out there very great advice because passion and desire and skills when they all come together you definitely can succeed in whatever you you go after so thank you again jenna for joining our show it was a pleasure having you appreciate you being on the show thanks stay tuned for another exciting interview just around the corner As your organization continues to embrace and adopt new technologies, does your team have the skills required to make the most of your investments? Directions Training offers IT professional and end-user training for the most popular solutions today, including Microsoft 365, Azure, AWS, Cisco, Citrix, VMware, and much more. Our flexible delivery methods and full customized offerings make sure that you get the training you need just the way you need it in-person, virtual, on-demand, or through a blended approach. Success is a journey. Ask for directions. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com for more information today. Welcome back to Tech in the Right Direction. This week in our Tech Careers segment, we're talking with Caitlin Knox. Caitlin is an IT business analyst and has been in the telecom industry since 2014, after spending the former decade in hospitality. She is self-taught and specializes in report development and business processes. She's studied political science and Chinese language at the Arizona State University, where she graduated in 2010. After a short stint working in Washington, D.C., she decided a bureaucratic job was not fulfilling and moved back home to Arizona, where she began her career in technology. So welcome to the show, Caitlin. It's so great to have you. Great. Great to be here. Thank you. 
So let's let's go ahead and get started. Um, can you share with us a little bit about your career and your career path in technology? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was working as a guest services manager at a new co-working facility in Phoenix, and it was really a lack of IT personnel that necessitated my involvement in interfacing with their third-party development team that we had hired to configure our door management system. Mm-hmm. So we were trying to have this door management system communicate with our app to track um, time spent in the space because that's how we charge them. So after a few months of really just relaying information, looking over their shoulders and seeing how this technology came together, I knew that it was something I'd like to pursue as a career. So I just started by searching for jobs with technology in the ad. <laughs> and I ended, up finding, I, I ended up finding an assistant position and I thought that would be like an easy entry into um, that industry since I didn't have any type of technical training. So it was a big jump from hospitality to technology, but um, the hiring manager just took a chance on me and it worked out wonderfully. So my first project really was to figure out this Power BI thing. It was really new technology back then and the rest is really history. I kind of just ran with it and it took me in different directions and then um, I kind of solidified my skills over the years through different training and certifications and um, just that initial jump is really what opened up the opportunity for me. That's great. Um, so your curiosity into technology was really what what got you into this industry. So um, did you always know that technology was something you wanted to do, or was that your first um, instance when you got curious about how do I do this? Yeah, no, I I never imagined myself working in technology. I studied politics and Chinese thinking that I was going to be a foreign service officer for the State Department or something like that. Um, and then as soon as I I actually worked for the State Department and realized um, the day-to-day in the life, it just wasn't that appealing anymore. Um, and then uh, guest services manager just kind of came with my previous history of being in the hospitality industry. So it was an easy re-entry into the workforce. And then, of course, my curiosity kind of sparked when I worked with these um, developers. And, and, yeah, I mean, that's when it was solidified for me that this is definitely something that is interesting and I can take it really far. So I wanted to start um, down that path, you know, as soon as I could. That's great. Um, So the tech industry has so many competitive job roles. And it's a competitive market. And um, tech skills, there's a huge demand for them. There's huge skills gaps today. Um, so how do you set, set yourself apart uh, from other people in, in your company so that you're always uh, being relevant and growing? I think that for this question, I really feel like you just have to be more human. I think everybody seems so interested in fitting into binary buckets of like, do I meet the qualifications or not? And and they miss the opportunities for conversation within that interaction with the hiring manager or the person they're speaking with to kind of talk about more meaningful aspects of the job that I just feel like uh, the technical training can be taught pretty easily. And But if you're like a good fit for the job, you miss out on those types of um, discoveries if you're so distracted by meeting the qualifications or beating yourself up if there's like one element that doesn't seem to fit with what you want to do with your life. So I just, I think being genuine and being honest with 
why you're there and what you want out of your own um, passion, like why why you ended up pursuing a conversation with that person instead of just listing off what you can do. <laughs> no, right. I think that's that's a great thought process and always trying to be relevant, always being authentic, always being who you are, and really challenge yourself, right, every day to gain more skills. Now, you mentioned Power BI when you uh, started in your path, and wow, you were way ahead of your time, right? Power BI is now starting to be very popular because there's so much data. So how did you learn Power BI? How did you jump into it? Did you take classes? Did you read? Did you take some tutorials? Tell us how you got your skills uh, prepared for that position. So Power BI was was kind of an atypical use case of how I how I usually encounter a problem. I mean, nowadays there's so much information on the internet about how to um, like blogs that you can follow, uh, white papers that people publish about um, what people have done previously with that situation. But the the company I was working for um, was unique at the time because all of our data was cloud based. And so Power BI, when it was first released, was really geared towards an on-premise uh, data environment where um, there, there was like probably one or two cloud connectors available to work with. And those one or two cloud connectors that were available actually were very limited and we exceeded those limitations out the gate. And so what was so interesting about this initial project is that it took me um, working with Microsoft support, really fleshing out a lot of the issues that they had in their first release being an early adopter and they really took I think extra time than they typically would um, providing desktop support to their partners by transferring me to a, an actual developer that helped me to create a C-sharp application that made it work like it, the connector wasn't available but they really kind of funneled me along the support path to look at our individual use case. And for me, I mean, this was like my first job in technology, so it was all very exciting. And I think it fueled that passion a little bit. And eventually, you know, we got to the point where we were probably the only company using Power BI in this regard. And I think it is what propelled Microsoft um, to really kind of focus more on these cloud connectors because that was the direction that technology was going in that, in, during that time. So it was, Gosh, I forgot the question. Oh, how did I learn Power BI? So it was really just like a, <laughs> I really just like learned it off the, I mean, I read whatever article was published. I, it took more than just learning Power BI though, because um, to be able to connect to the data point, I kind of had to learn um, the general schematic structure of like a SQL database, because that's really where Power BI was kind of built for, was those on-premise data points like that. So it was really learning a few different pieces of technology and then kind of coming up with a creative solution to make it work when there wasn't an available uh, connector ready for it, for that type of connection. That's great. Well, you were definitely an early adopter, but you did on-the-job training, right? You were actually hands-on in the trenches working with Microsoft to try to get the solution or the problem solved. Uh, with the solution. So that's awesome. And I, you, you mentioned passion and I was thinking your passion was fueling this the entire time because 
that's what just made you curious. And then you got probably addicted to saying, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to figure it out. And then you just kept going and learning more and more, which is so exciting, which, which is very common in our industry today that, you know, people learn on the job and they get very, very good at it. Um, I guess next I, I, I was thinking about, so you've had a lot of great experience on the job, working in the trenches, doing it hands-on. What is your take on certification? Do you feel it's valuable? Do you think that everybody should be certified? What are your thoughts? So I think certifications serve a purpose. I think they're valuable. Um, for me, I, the only time I've really had to, you know, show a certification and and like shove it in someone's face is when you're negotiating a salary raise or like pursuing a different opportunity. But to be completely honest, the certifications I've acquired have been after the fact, meaning like I had already been using those skills in my daily duties for some time before I actually went to pursue the certification. And I guess it's more of a feeling of like leveling up that it's that like warm fuzzy that yes, you know, I reached their benchmark. I was able to um, perform these skills to their satisfaction where I'm, you know, actually certified now. And I think that helps in a lot of different ways. It's not necessarily just for pursuing a new job, but it's more like your your own self-confidence. You you get this piece of paper and somehow a layer of self-validation. So I think I think they're valuable. Yeah, I, I, I can see that, um, that they're valuable, but also the hands-on experience is so valuable. To be able to couple the two, you've got then a stellar situation, right? Because there's that stamp from the industry that says you know you have the skill sets, you know the technology, and then your hands-on experience, real-world knowledge is so important today. And so having both, and I think you, you really made a good point when you said, you know, employers, um, uh, candidates will use it to get more money from employers. And um, that's why we find a lot of employers are hesitant to provide certification to their employees because they don't want to have to deal with either the person leaving or coming in and asking for a raise because now they feel they're so much more valuable, right? So that happens quite a bit. Um, so where do you see your career path taking you as that next level? So you've been doing this for a while. You're very good at what you do. You're learning new things because industry is so dynamic. What What is your next path? Where do you see yourself maybe in a year or three years? I think I spent a lot of time in the past few years um, kind of collecting these technical skill sets and building my arsenal to be able to tackle any projects that really come my way. But what I've throttled back and kind of slowed down to focus on is the bigger picture of business analysis and what's required of a business analyst when they come into an organization and look at different processes. I think I... I, when I look at my own skill set, I think I've missed some of those foundational elements of being able to look at a business and offer suggestions on improvement by whether it's like knowing what's important to stakeholders or knowing how to best present um, requirements to the development team or how to interface between the executives and then the technical staff and things like that. So what I've, what I've started to focus on and what I think I'll continue to focus on for uh, the next year or so is really um, – getting certified in that area of um, being an actual business analyst and kind of going back to the basics of uh, retraining my approach to 
problems or projects or things like that to a more like a standardized business analysis approach. That's great. Um, today we are finding that, uh, you know, technical skills are important, no question, but you have to round those off with business skills and business skills meaning what value is this technology providing for the organization so that, like you said, you can talk to C-level folks and really explain the ROI, the return on their investment. Why are they doing this? Before technology was driving business, now business is driving technology. And so uh, I think that's a really smart path to, to take for you to just continue to grow in this business analysis role. So great. Um, so. I know technology is moving so fast. What are some of the trends that you're seeing and where do you see those going from from your perspective? I think um, technology, the only thing for certain about technology is that it's always changing. And so I think in that regard, you just have to be teachable. So like in the next five years, what what's your go-to for your productivity tools is probably going to have a facelift, if not a new release, or different functions or tools available. And it just, it does jolt you when those things are released because you have to modify your, the way you do your work in the day. And so to not be afraid of changing something or tweaking something and looking for the better result at the end of it, I think in five or 10 years, it's going to be a lot of the same stuff, just like amped up and a lot more cloud-to-cloud connections and I think people are going to be a lot more productive using the different tools at their fingertips as, as long as they stay comfortable with trying new things. I think the way that the ecosystem is moving is they're just really tuning into what the end user actually wants and building tools to facilitate a more efficient workday. And so I see yes. a lot more of that, like the task management or like the cloud-to-cloud um, team situate like the, with Microsoft Teams, how that is, and Slack, I think a lot of tools and stuff are going to begin like bolting into a lot of different ones that you just haven't seen before that will make it flow where you're not having to go into like two or three different places to to get one thing done. Yeah, very, very smart. Collaboration is big. You know, when you talk about teams, we're seeing collaboration, the bringing in email, bringing in your chat, bringing in your files, all of those into one place because today we do go to many different places to get our information. So definitely we can see that moving in that direction. Well, before we end, I've got one more question for you. So if you could give one piece of career advice to our listeners, what would that be? I think it would be to get uncomfortable. Like start today, whatever it is that you see you want to do, you are the architect for your own professional development. So if there's a goal or a pie in the sky that you're after, just kind of think critically about actionable steps that you need to take to make it happen and just start doing it. Don't wait until an opportunity, don't, like don't wait until you get hired somewhere to start doing what you want to do. That's great advice. Um, just be uncomfortable because change is imminent, right? Yeah. That's always going to happen. Well, thank you so much, Caitlin. It was a pleasure having you on our show. Uh, we hope to have you again. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. And now, an exclusive offer for our listeners. From IT skill enhancements to end user adoption training, 
Directions Training is your resource to help optimize the effectiveness of your technology investments. Over half a million students have taken advantage of our wide selection of technology and business training solutions covering the most popular applications today, such as Microsoft 365, Azure, Windows 10, and more. As a podcast listener, we invite you to take advantage of an exclusive offer. Receive 30 days of free access to our Microsoft official curriculum, on-demand courses for IT professionals or end-users. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com slash podcast to claim this offer today. Hurry, this offer is only available for a limited time. Success is a journey. Ask for directions. Thanks for listening to Technology in the Right Direction, your source for the latest technology trends shaping the world. To download this week's show or listen to past shows, visit directionstraining.com forward slash podcast. Past shows are also available at ewnpodcastnetwork.com, as well as through iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. To find out how to be a guest on the show, visit directionstraining.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, we hope that technology takes your business in the right direction. Calling all speakers. E-Women Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help 1 million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.